We all agree that challenges abound in today's facilities, especially when it comes to staffing and morale, which affects production and the cleaning and facility management landscape. What you need are real solutions to the challenges you face each and every day. And to do that, to get into this issue, I welcome two guests to my program today, both from Core America, a leading consulting company in the janitorial and facilities industries, Tony Mayoni, the president, and Carl Kyle, the associate vice president. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here. Thank you, Jeff. We're going to talk about workloading, custodial assignments, and crafting cleaning and maintenance systems that really work. That's a mouthful, but an important mouthful as well. So let's start with some opening comments from both of you, thinking of facilities being short-staffed, low morale, and other challenges that we're going to discuss. Why will today's topic be so important for those watching? And Carl, let's start with you. Sure. Um, you know, workloading, when we talk about it, is a fundamental that really touches base during regular operations, but in this era where we're having so many staffing issues, it's really important because to right size a job um, is super key. Uh, most of the jobs that we work with, those cleaning assignments have been inherited. And, not, and actually 99% of those jobs have gone over such a course of time of having that. It's very important to uh, look at them and, and reassess them, especially now with the staffing challenges we're all facing. I'll add to that. I think the topic of workloading and, and just to quickly define it, what we mean by workloading is, you know, calculating optimal staffing levels for a cleaning program. Um, for me, it's key to addressing the big challenges of today. Carl already mentioned staffing, but on top of that, you know, the pandemic, you know, figuring out the proper staffing levels for new things we never thought of before, like disinfecting all the touch points or electrostatic spraying. Or even if there's a if there is a looming recession on the horizon, you know, workloading is a key way that any cleaning program would adjust to that. You know, staffing a new building or renovated building, uh, figuring out your budget for that, analyzing bids. Um, you know, as, as you're, I'm sure, well aware, Jeff, labor is the biggest cost and resource for any cleaning program, and workloading is directly related to labor. So that's why it's so key, no matter what challenge you're facing, to have a good workloading program and, and know what you're doing with it. Absolutely. You know, to both of you, we hear about issues with morale and a team with low morale is not going to be that productive. What can be done with that? Well, I would go into saying, you know, with morale and tying it back to our workloading, you know, when you have an equitable work schedule and you're coming into work as a custodian, you feel good about the area you're covering day in and day out. And that's really important. And I think that really answers that morale question um, because now you feel that you're not being stretched too much. You're, you you can be very versatile. You can focus on the customer experience and do more. Um, so I think that helps quite a bit. Tony? Yeah, and on top of the morale of the, of the service member team, I, I think management morale gets improved with a properly balanced program. You know, there's nothing like coming in every day trying to manage a program where you're down 10, 20 percent or your team's unhappy because they think such and such has a easier or harder run than them and they're not balanced. So um, what we see is when when a program's properly workloaded, it makes everybody's life happier and easier. 
Um, and that all has a trickle down effect, as Carl said to the customer. Um, you know, occupants of a building notice when a cleaning program is off. You know, they'll, they'll see it in the in the faces of the staff and in the way that management responds. And um, if you have a well documented, properly workloaded program, especially with more and more daytime cleaning, you know, with with the pandemic, a lot of uh, the cleaning operations are now more visible, present during the day. Um, you know, morale is key to uh, having a good customer experience in your facilities. Okay. So to both of you, some outside looking in would say you just assign an area to a custodian, give them the equipment they need, what they need to do the work, and time to do the job. That's it. <laughs> that's the job and that's the uh, expectation for the paycheck. Yeah. Is that bad reasoning? I I think so, and and I think so in, in the sense that it's very one dimensional, right? Um, you know, you hurt not only the staff by by looking at it in that fashion, but you also set yourself up for missed outcomes, and that hurts the customers, the occupants, um, and the facilities team as a whole when you look at it that way. Um, you know, the solution really is to have a properly well-balanced set of work schedules and assignments that that will really flow well with the facility. Makes sense. Tony, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, that the old school way of just kind of uh, uh, accepting the, the program that's been there and has done, been that way 30 years is not going to work. And that's, uh, you know, especially going to be difficult when, when you're trying to recruit and attract people to an industry that's struggling with staffing shortages. Um, you have to look at things with with fresh set of eyes and and be open to uh, providing an environment that people know is is purposeful and well thought out and not just uh, the way it's always been. Especially recruiting millennials, um, I would say they they find that especially important to know that um, you know their jobs have a sense of purpose of meaning tied to some kind of bigger picture, um, and they'll they'll want that out of their work experience, uh, whether they're a day porter or a project worker or uh, or, you know, a daytime or nighttime custodian. Yeah, I, I know that um, we really wouldn't just give someone a job and say, just go do it. We want to empower them yeah. to do the job right. So, yeah. Um, exactly. And I would add to that, Jeff, especially in a job where you have so much ownership over the space, right? Yeah. So let's talk about the recent ISIS Hay Show North America 2022 in Chicago. And Tony, you and I walked down the hallway together. We talked a bit about issues going on in the world of uh, custodial maintenance uh, facilities. Anything inter interesting that you want to share from those conversations at the show? Yeah, and actually it was that show and our time there that prompted the idea for this Straight Talk episode because, you know, time and again, the, the people coming up to our booths, whether they were in-house or outsourced program, they, they want to talk about number one, staffing. That's the biggest challenge on everybody's mind. But number two, not too far behind that, was how to manage the quickly changing customer demands, whether it's the demand for, you know, better cleaning a space with very low occupancy or changing occupancy where it's fully occupied Tuesday through Thursday, but not Monday through Friday, mm -hmm. or quickly changing specs, depending on whether the, whether it's, you know, a moment of the pandemic kind of flaring up or flu season or not. So 
those conversations prompted the idea to, to really tie all this back to what we feel is a fundamental element of cleaning programs, which is, which is the workloading, because it can help answer and prepare a program for all of those challenges. And we, we really just had the sense that, you know, it's, it's an old topic, you know, we're, we've been doing it for 27 years now as a company. It's not new, but it felt more important than ever. And we really wanted to just kind of take a step back and, and talk with you about it and attack it from some different angles. Um, you know, we've already mentioned the pandemic and occupancy levels, but even at, at the trade show, there's a lot of talk of robotics and, you know, smart building technology. Um, you know, all of that can get incorporated into workloading as well. They're just modifiers that might affect how you workload, but it's all part of the same process. And that's why we're really excited to talk about it today. Carl, what do you think? I, you know, and, and we'll we'll talk a little more about the different types of workloading, but with any time that you have a change in your program, like I opened up with, you know, you want to have some sort of basis to really measure that change and having workloading, whether it's for uh, occupancy reasons or for upgrades to the buildings or new spaces coming online. It's really important to have that as a basis. All right. So we've discussed workloading a bit. And I know, Tony, we talked at the show about this. The value of a plan is important. I guess the big question to me is, how do you set it all up? What does that mean? Yeah. Let's, let's quickly redefine what even workloading means. And then Carl's okay. going to take us through uh, from macro to micro, some different ways to do it. So essentially workloading in, in the cleaning industry is using various inputs to calculate optimal or best practice staffing levels based on those inputs. So typically it's involving square footage and fixture counts, average amount of time to clean. We call those production rates. You know, how, how long does it take to vacuum, to mop, to sweep? Um, uh, frequency. So how often are you doing the tasks? Is it daily? Is it monthly? Is it weekly? Is it four times a week? And then finally, modifying all of that to customize it for that particular customer or building. So that's what workloading is. And uh, Carl, why don't you kind of take us through some different levels of that? Sure, sure. And again, it starts with the inputs. So based upon those inputs, you can have different levels of your workload. Um, the first real level of the workload is using straight up square footage, whether it's gross square footage or net cleanable square footage, which is the square footage you get once you deduct all the non-cleanable, non-serviceable spaces. Um, and that's usually used, you know, square footage per FTE or square footage per hour. That's how those, that's measured. Um, it's a very basic way to get staffing. Um, the next level would be to, to incorporate area types. Different area types have uh, different types of cleaning associated with them and different cleaning formulas associated with them. Um, that would be the next level. The third level would include area types, floor surfaces, and using the square footage and fixture counts for restroom fixtures, stairwells, elevators, and things like that. Um, this gives you a more granular workload once you include those different types of elements to it. And then the fourth level really has to do with, with what we were talking about earlier, you know, robotics, smarter buildings, and things like that to really hone in on using the technology and a lot of the updates we've seen in the industry. 
Um, the third and fourth level, once you really get that granular, you should be using some sort of software to really give you those types of outputs. I'll, I'll just kind of build on that. So those are the four different tiers of workloading. Um, and for example, you know, when we use our, our software to do it, it's called smart load. Um, there's one, there's one more factor. We call it the, the modifiers, the four modifiers that, mm -hmm. and no matter what level of those levels you're workloading at, you can use these modifiers to adjust your program. Usually it's uh, kind of a sliding scale or a percentage that you put in to bump up the staffing up or down. And those modifiers are density level, soil level, expectation level, and non-productive time. So I'll just quickly touch on each and, and we can move on. But first one is density level. Uh, it means adjusting your workload based on density factors, such as uh, it could be a highly dense building in terms of population. Like I remember one time we did a, a community college workload where you know they had five times the normal amount of people per building than a typical college. So that affects the, you know, how fast you can clean because it increases things like soil level and more uh, consumable usage. Another way of, that you can think of density uh, are the, the contents in a room. You know, it's a lot faster to clean a wide open hallway or a warehouse floor than it is maybe a, a, a dense conference room or a cube, a cube farm, as they call them, a lot of cubicles. So density is one. Number two is soil level. You know, a building with a lot of people in it uh, might have more soil, more dust. Um, you know, where we are in upstate New York, we think of soil level sometimes in terms of the winter time with, you know, tracking in salt and sand from all the immediate exteriors of buildings that certainly affects workloading, especially on the first floor. Um, so those are some ways you can think about soil uh, expectation level. You have to know the customer's expectations. You know, are you cleaning a, a Ritz Carlton or, or cleaning for Disney world where uh, no deficiency is acceptable or are we, are we cleaning something where maybe a step down from that is okay or two steps down and, and defining that and understanding mm -hmm. that. And then finally, non-productive time. So um, what we mean by that is the time that you lose as a cleaning professional due to locking and unlocking the building, taking breaks, building in time for training, setting up, cleaning up, um, you know, properly taking care of your microfiber cloths, things like that. So again, density, soil, expectation level, and non-productive time. No matter which of those levels Carl was talking about that you workload, you need to consider those factors to adjust your workload to meet that specific customer's need. Okay. So you both are proud of what you've done. You're proud of your clients, correct? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So when you walk into a building that does all the things you're talking about compared to the one that does not, how does that feel, the vibe, when you go into those buildings? You know, you walk into them, It's you walk into a well-managed building with good morale, a uh, very confident program, a uh, very versatile program where everyone top-down is very easy to pivot when any change happens. Um, it's a type of program where you don't even notice where you have absenteeism or things like that occurring because it's very well-rounded and well-covered in all areas, so... It's really good, really good program. And it really even emphasizes the customer experience because now the staff can really invest into that as well, more so than worrying about, hey, I have to cover another run over here today. You know, now they have a program that's really set up based on those fundamentals. I'll just add to that. You also can get the vibe that the program is more kind of 
tech savvy or professional mm. in the sense of, you know, like when we set them up, we'll often create the assignment sheets uh, for the team on tablets or on their phones, color coded. So, you know, you might see a custodian with, with, with their phone or tablet up actually looking at their assignment or, you know, if, if there's a new person, you know, they're, they're maybe showing uh, a screen or showing, um, you know, a, a well-documented plan to their teammates um, and they have the right technology and the right language to talk about that. Um, and, and so you just get that vibe that people know what they're supposed to do and they have the technology and the calculations to enable them to do that. We've talked about the fundamentals, but let's talk about green cleaning and how that's changed over the years. Because before the pandemic, green cleaning meant one thing. Now it might be more or yeah. different. What do you think? Yeah. Um, in some ways, the pandemic has been tough, tough for green cleaning, right? Where, you know, we all try to discourage the use of disinfectants or any harsher chemical mm -hmm. that is absolutely needed. And COVID ushered in the era of, unfortunately, in some ways, flooding buildings with disinfecting products. And going back to workloading again and just kind of showing why it's a fundamental way of kind of working with all these topics, um, what that meant to us and to our customers is how to adjust staffing levels for this new element of, you know, disinfecting common touch points, whether someone's just doing it per kind of the CDC minimum guidelines of once a day, or we had some customers doing it, gosh, 10, 12 times a day, over and over again, day and night. Wow. And again, it comes back to workloading where you can, you know, we, we determine production rates for these different types of disinfecting activities to show how much time it would take. And, and that time doesn't come out of nowhere. It's you have to sacrifice other things you would be doing to spend your time disinfecting, or maybe we helped people justify adding more staff to do it. Um, same with electrostatic spraying. You know, I know that's died down a little bit as time has gone on, but for a while we were doing a lot of workloads to show customers how to do that and allocate enough time for it so that you know, you weren't over disinfecting, but you're doing it enough to give confidence to the occupants. So, you know, green cleaning, um, it's, it, I think we need to get back to a safer level of cleaning, to be honest. And, you know, I think, again, using these calculations, you can kind of do the, do the math to offset. Uh, let's say you're, you're going to go to just maybe once a day disinfecting of the most common spaces and not do personal workstations anymore. Uh, again, coming bring this back to workloading, you can calculate all of that to apply maybe more of your time toward um, some of the things that you were doing prior to all of this enhanced cleaning. And by the way, I don't think enhanced cleaning is going away. I, I, it's great what the pandemic did for our industry. Um, we need to be more aware of the invisible side of cleaning. Uh, in no way am I uh, putting that down. I just think that we need to work toward a more balanced approach to make sure that we're not trading off um, overly sanitizing and disinfecting at the expense of a safe cleaning practice. Yeah. Um, I think we agree with that. We're not saying the pandemic was good or bad, but yeah. <laughs> it definitely exactly. brought awareness of what we should do. Yep. So good information. Yes. Carl, uh, let's go to you on this question. Once those watching this episode of Straight Talk have accomplished their, their goals with workloading, which you've outlined nicely, how do you turn that into actual job assignments or routes? And I think I want to get get into the science of this. Is there such a thing? Yes, and it's and it's a it's a weird place where science 
can meet your style and your culture of your program, right? Um, you have all this information, area type by area type, um, how many FTEs it either takes to clean certain floors of a building, the total building, or certain areas of the building. And you can now use that information for, to fit the style that you would like. So if you want to go with team cleaning, we can use this workload information to do that. If you want to do specialization, uh, for example, if one building has a takes one FTE to just do restrooms. You can have someone specialize in just cleaning restrooms in that whole building. Or if you wanna do more uh, zone type cleaning, and if the first floor or second floor of the building both equal one FTE, then the first and second floor can be designated to one person. Um, it, it lends itself to let you do a lot of different options. Um, it also lets yourself, lets your, lends yourself to um, looking at different options if you wanna change your cleaning program a little bit. Do you wanna move into centralized trash? What would that look like? Um, and things like that. So it, it helps you in a lot of different ways to operationalize it very easily um, in the sense that you've already done the hard work of quantifying the data by area type, by task. And now you can cut it up any which way you want to create these great service runs that are very equitable. Yeah, there's a little, little bit of an art to that. You know, you let's say a workload comes out to 1.37 FTE. Well, that's not a uh, a very easy number to exactly staff. So you have to make decisions. Do I round up to one and a half or maybe it's an easy customer and there's low density and low soil levels. Maybe I can get away with one FTE and move that extra 0.37, you know, to a different building that's a uh, higher demand. But, you know, you start with that high level kind of operationalizing the workload and making it work in a real life situation. And then from there, you go deeper and you assign, you know, you figure out well, what are the daily tasks and the weekly tasks and you make route cards and you make color coded maps. So it all flows into the more detailed route creation, but it starts with, you know, taking the, the math that you workloaded and then turning that into a realistic model. Um, and like Carl said, there, there are a number of different options, even at that step that you can do. I guess my last question would be, did we miss anything? Is there any final comments you want to share? Sure, I would say, you know, whether you go through that first real um, macro level of workloading to the more complicated one, it's really important. It's a fundamental to your program. Um, even, even in the really good programs, it helps because it helps to justify what you've already set up. Um, and, give, and, and it sets you up for, for a change that could happen at any given time. Um, so I, I would really like everyone to really embrace workloading. It's really important to your program, your staff, um, they'll really appreciate it to see that level of uh, transparency and visibility in the program. Um, I think it's really important to have, even especially now with everything going on. Yeah, and just building on that, it, it's a fundamental aspect of the program, but it's it's a, honestly a little difficult. It's not um, as easy as some other management functions within a custodial department. You know, we do it for a living. That's our our job, and we have a whole team that does nothing but this. But even with that, we have to double check each other's work. We have to, you know, question one another's assumptions to really customize the workload for that building or that customer. And if you're just going to dabble in it, or maybe, you know, maybe it's two percent of what you do as a custodial manager, and every couple years you have to workload a new building, um, it'd be difficult to do that without some training and without proper tools. So if you want to get more nuanced with it and be able to really turn workloads into assignments based on more of a scientific method, um, I would definitely recommend um, either training or a, a software uh, or teaming with a third party like us at Core America 
even if it's just to teach you how to do it and not make mistakes, um, I think that could go a long way because it's, it's not something you do every day in a cleaning program, but it's critically important. So um, just welcome anybody that wants to talk more about this topic. They can get in touch with us at www.coreamerica.com or connect with Carl and I on LinkedIn. We, we love talking about this and are happy to help.